Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, and like always, we have the freshest of guests for you, and the guest for this episode is Detroit photographer Trilogy Beats, who's currently been hitting the streets recently with his camera to document all the protests going on in and around Detroit surrounding the Black Lives Matter civil rights movement going on. Uh, He's an acclaimed photographer with clients all around the nation, maybe even the globe, we're, you know, shooting lifestyle brands and more, but he's like one of my photographers, my, one of my favorite photographers, you know, definitely from Detroit, but you know, period. I love his work and he's been doing amazing work on the, you know, on the ground, on the streets here in Detroit, uh, documenting what's really going on in Detroit and in even the surrounding cities, uh, with these protests, uh, during our chat, we talked about the motivation to hit the streets with his camera to shoot what's really going on with these protests. And in particular, we talk about the protests that happened back on July 10th at McNichols and San Juan in Detroit after the Detroit police shot and killed Hakeem Littleton. So we'll get into that, and there's a lot of multi-layer things going on in regards to that incident. Um, if you know if you know anything about that incident... Uh, Hakeem Littleton was a is twenty year old uh, uh, man from Detroit who, you know, got shot and killed after he, you know, him and his friend were you know about to get arrested, and while they're you know getting arrested, uh, he pulled out a gun, started shooting, and cop shot back. He ended up getting killed, and there was a lot of misinformation at first, and there were some protests. The protests. Uh, you know, we're very good and we're very, very nonviolent until we'll get into, yeah, me and, uh, me and Trilogy Beats will get into the, you know, the specifics and he'll, cause he, he, he saw everything and it was, it, everything, there's a lot of things that could have been done better in that situation. Uh, we also discuss his work as a photographer, how he broke into the industry, and how he was able to obtain clients. There's a lot of good stuff in this interview with Trilogy Beats. I definitely wanted him on the podcast to uh, shed some light about what's really going on 
um, from the street level here in Detroit. And he has, you know, beautiful photography to, um, to accompany it. And if you go to Instagram.com slash Trilogy Beats 313, and it'll be linked in the show notes at FreshOfThePodcast.com, you'll see his work, but then you also see the stuff that he's been shooting uh, in regards to these protests. And before we get into the to this uh, interview with uh, Trilogy Beats, uh, I definitely want. There's another thing that kind of goes along with a civil rights movement. Uh, we're uh, recently we lost a, a hero for the for, from for this nation. You know, someone who who dedicated his life to changing the way things changing civil rights for his people and just American people as a whole. And that's John Lewis. Uh, he's 80 years old and you know, he, he, he's somebody that you should, that we should have statues for. And recently just, um, back on July 3rd, um, Magnolia pictures are released the, uh, the documentary John Lewis Good Trouble and it's chron- it chronicles his his trailblazing life and impact as you know, a politician and a civil rights leader there's it's this film is so good because you get to see every side of him and you get to see how he influenced politics influence voter rights gun control, healthcare reform, immigration. It's like this guy he he had multiple lifetimes worth of of he he lived so much and you, you got you get to see his struggles and you got to see his accomplishments. He he got himself in good trouble like meaning he he fought. He got beat up. He was a part of violence for the good, greater cause of everything, uh, and one of his, you know, one of his landmark achievements was the, you know, the Voter Rights Act that got that you know Reagan was able to you know sign sign off on to extend it, and George Bush, but then back in two thousand and thirteen. The, the Supreme Court, you know, gutted it, basically. And it pretty much took any power away that 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 that, that act the reason why that that act was so landmark basically got gutted. And it's been like that ever since. And hopefully after this, you know, hopefully if we can get, you know, that guy out of office, hopefully a true tribute to the life of John Lewis would be if those main clauses, that voter voter rights act, you know, gets put back into place that would be the greatest tribute because he's synonymous with that act 
and when you're watching this this documentary you get to see why he is the why he was so beloved you know this was directed by uh don porter who also did gideon's army and using archival footage and and present day interviews with him before he passed you're able to see why this guy was so monumental so important to this country and the thing is as as much as he as much as he's done in his life the way he puts it makes it seem a bit attainable for for other people who are fighting for the for these same civil rights and when you watch this film you know i know it was for me and probably for other people you know it isn't it isn't about a larger than life figure because he 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 makes himself as one of the people when you watch this film and knowing that he has passed you're like okay how can i continue this fight cuz you know if he was still alive he would be on the on the streets right now in the protests he would be doing everything that he's already been he already did in his life right now we all know that so when you when you watch this film it makes you want to go okay what can i contribute to the fight that he led for so many years and now that he's gone how can we continue that and there's there's a lot of some people might not know the answers there's a lot of answers and the best thing to do is just research you know the things that i guess you're passionate about in regards to civil rights and every little bit counts and there was there's a ton of quotes in this film but one of the things that John Lewis said that really hit me was when you lose all sense of fear you're free and that's how he was able to get into good trouble he lost his sense of fear so he was able to do this important work that we are we are all thankful for so please you can go to john lewis com and check out um they have a listing of where you can watch it and i think it's mandatory especially for today when we're going through another chapter of a multi-generational civil rights movement we're in a current civil rights movement where we're seeing where we're feeling change happen and John John Lewis is definitely an inspiration. And you know, and once again, when you lose all sense of fear, you're free. John Lewis. All right, after uh, a word from our sponsor, we'll get into uh, my interview with Trilogy Beats. All right, welcome back to the Freshest of the Word podcast. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. And joining me now is my homeboy, Trilogy Beats. He's been 
very, you know, he's been documenting as a photographer the recent protests that have been going on, um, you know, definitely in wake of George, George Floyd and a lot of other things that's been going going on, like here in Detroit, elsewhere. Um, before I, you know, before that, he, uh, you know, he, he's always one of my favorite photographers because he, uh, you know, he's just really good at it and he, you know, he kind of dips his toes into a lot of things like the hip-hop scene. Uh, there's, you know, he... He always had all these beautiful women he was posting, and I'm like, yo, what is he doing, and how's he getting there, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, <laughs> yo, thanks for uh, jo- uh, joining Fresh to the Word, uh, Trilogy. What's up, man? Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. To me, man, it's like, there's there's this part of, like, the photography hustle that, like, still, like, just boggles my mind. I'd be like, yo, how do they get to where they're at, man? Because I'd be seeing you, like, shooting, like, these beautiful women, and then the next time you're at, like, you're, you know, you're out in Royal Oak at uh, Burn Rubber, you know, <laughs> yeah. shooting shit with them. And I'm be like, yo, like, like, the photography hustle is, like, you know, blows my mind sometimes. I'm like... Yo, how do they make a living? But then how are they over in these other places, man? Okay, before we get into, like, you documenting the recent protests going on, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, you know, talk about, you know, what life of a photographer is uh, for you. For me, life of a photographer, honestly, I mean, it's it's honestly just having a camera with with me all the time. Like some people laugh at me because I'll take my camera with me to the grocery store just because Man, I never. Every time I, I see you, you got your camera on you. So that's no, that's that's for real. Yeah. Always, I always have a camera with me if I can help it. Always. Yeah, and it's like when I look at your work, it's just like there is something that like any of us, you know, just regular folks who you know whether we're just taking pictures on our cameras or whatever, can never get, you know, what's sort of like that, you know, what's that thing that you see that other people don't? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really just, like I said, having a camera with me at all times. I'm just always kind of looking for things that I find interesting. And I think a lot of times, you know, when people see someone with a camera, they're kind of intrigued, so they might be like, hey, like, I want to know what's going on with you. And, I mean, honestly, I photograph a lot of strangers. I've had a lot of, like, I guess kind of cool random opportunities come my way just because I simply just had a camera with me. I remember one night I was down at a garden bowl for something. And I, well, actually, I wasn't even there, but I went to cut through. You know how they have that door in the back? And, um, <laughs> yeah. I, like, somehow the door behind, you know, that shows behind the pen setters was just cracked a little bit. And I was like, wow, that looks so cool. And the guy that was coming out, I asked him, like, hey, you think I could go back there and just see, you know, take a couple pictures? And he's like, no, no. And I was like, oh, you know, okay, cool. And he saw the camera. He's like, oh, you know, we'll come back for a second. And I actually got to go behind the pen setters at Garden Ball. It's just like, so things like that happened just because I was ready and I had my camera with me. So I got to see something cool that maybe not everybody would have had the opportunity to see. And see, okay, that you just highlighted something that I would, like, never do. You just asking these, like, little you know, asking if you could do something that no one would even think about, or if they do, did think about it, they would be like, oh, no, I'm too scared to ask, you know, what's like, how much does that sort of thought process and not being scared to ask, you know, goes into your work? Well, I think for me, early on, I kind of discovered that, like, is it would be times like you would be out with a camera and you say, oh, wow, that's such a 
cool thing I saw right there. Only if I could get that shot or I could go over here and then you might pass on it because, oh, I might look stupid, like laying on the sidewalk right now to shoot under this bench or whatever. But it's something you see cool. And so you pass on it and then later you regret it. So early on, I just, you know, I just decided like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go for it or whatever. If I see a person on the street that just has a cool look, I'm going to ask them, can I take their photo? And I mean, if they say no, just, okay, well, thank you. I appreciate you. And you just keep it moving. But a lot of times, more times than not, people will say yes if you just ask them nicely. Yeah. Yeah. How much does like going into, you know, being photographer, being a photographer, like how much of being fearless goes into your, your art? Um, I think being fearless helps a lot. I would say just because like I said, being able to ask people, Hey, can I take this photo? Like it, it helps a lot in there where you, you know, you, you'll get more opportunities just by asking, you know, it's almost like a numbers game. The more times you ask, the more yeses you get. If you ask one time and you get one no and you don't ask again, well, now you're hundred percent on no. So you just have to just go for it a lot of times. Now, I'm not saying be fearless as in, I mean, I know some people are, but I'm not like the type that wants to go into a lot of abandoned buildings and climb stuff and do like, I'm yo, not yeah. There'd be like people that like, yo, I'm going to climb on top of this bridge. Yeah. That's not me. <laughs> like you'll see my feet dangling. You know, I'm going to make sure that you see my feet dangling and little out of the, you know, some of the, like the, the shots that I don't use. I'm going to post those on Instagram just right. to let you know that I climbed up this, uh, this, <laughs> this big old bridge or something. I am not one of those photographers and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe that's where fearlessness would probably help me a little more. But I mean, I'm not really interested in that type of photography right. per se anyway. So I guess that it just works fine for me. No, for you, I always like you're you're more like grassroots. You're gra you're on the street, you know, whether yeah. it's, you know, in the city of Detroit or like like where where is a lot of like, you know, where has a lot of your work, you know, come from? Because I, you know, I see you like, I guess, shooting in other countries, like, mm -hmm. and then there's times when you're just like, you know, shooting stuff around, around the city and out, you know, around the, you know, Metro Detroit area. So like, what's, what's kind of like your kind of your scope of work that you actually get, you know, whether it's just stuff you get paid to do or whatnot, you know? Yeah. I mean, my scope of work is kind of, from like portrait and lifestyle. I have clients everywhere, you know, from that type of stuff. I have clients all across the country that I do product stuff for. I mean, you just, you know, basically the more work you shoot and the more you put it out there, the more people will see it and say, hey, like, you know, I like what you're doing and, you know, hey, let's let's just figure out a way that we can do it. So I say I have clients all the way in LA that I do product stuff for, you know. So, I mean, it just comes, you know, you just get work kind of everywhere. The more people see your work, the more work you get. Not only just like having the work speak for itself, you know, anybody listening to this, you know, what, what really goes into building those relationships where it can, you know, you can get these clients from, you know, all these different places. Well, of course, it, a lot of times is because maybe you know somebody who can introduce you or your work to a certain person. But a lot of times I found, honestly, whether it's, it's actual clients or, like I said, meeting strangers on the street. Like, even when I'm in L.A. or whatever, actually, I was just in L.A. probably about a week ago. And I met a family just kind of chilling on their front lawn, having a picnic. And I was walking by and they saw my camera. And, oh, they asked if I was a photographer. And I just stopped and had a conversation with them. And then I was able 
to photograph them, but it, it just comes from just honestly just being nice to people. And I, right. I, I get I try to explain that to a lot of people, like because yeah. a lot of times you don't you may not even know who you're talking to. You might just meet like I could have met that family, and for all I know, her husband is the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You know, right, right. And, had I not been nice to her, she was like, this guy's a jerk. Don't take my picture, whatever. But on the flip side, like I said, I don't know who I'm speaking to. She's just a person that I met. I had a nice conversation. And she could go and show someone those photos, and that could be another potential client. So it just always comes down to me to just being nice to people when you meet them. And see, that's that's what I like about you so much, man. Every time I've ever met you, you've been that person, you know? And it reflects <laughs> in your work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even like when I saw you that day when we were um on Royal Oak, it was just like, hey, let me let me just take a couple pictures. <laughs> Everything is honestly, I know money is great, you know, honestly, but sometimes I mean I honestly I just love taking photos. That's really the the real crux of it. I love photography. So when I meet people, it's like I just want to photograph people. If I see something cool, I just want to take a photo. How do you how do you sort of sort through all the bullshit going on for if people that, you know, might try to present you with opportunities, but might be disingenuous. Um, you you can kind of tell a lot of times people <laughs> are trying. You know, I'm trying to think of a good example that's happened recently. Like you, you can just tell when people are on the BS. You know, and they're like, oh, you know, let me get you to shoot this or whatever. And it's like, okay, like damn, I have, feel like I had a great example recently that this happened. But it, it you can really just tell when people are just really trying to use you. But sometimes, you know, like I was actually talking to a young photographer this past week in Dallas, and I was explaining to him a lot of times, especially when you're starting out, you, you, opportunities are probably more important than money. Like if you're in your first year and somebody wants to fly you across the country to take some photos, it, it may be worth it to you to just go and do some great work for your portfolio. Right. You know, like I said, you can still tell when people have those motives where they're trying to use you or they're trying to like, get you to do something crazy like oh i'll pay you 10 bucks or something you know to come out and shoot like a whole event like crazy (laughs) like i'm happy we'll do that like i want you to drive all the way across the state to shoot an event for 50 dollars, and i'm like what (laughs) no no but i mean if it was if it was a situation was like hey like jay-z is playing in grand rapids and all we have is 50 bucks but we'll get you up here to, to photograph him. Okay, that may be an opportunity worth taking. That fifty dollars is good. Gas money to get me there, and that's fine because I'll get to photograph a huge star that may, you know, be you know beneficial to my portfolio. Yeah, and people might, you know, if people see that, they'll be like, they're gonna already look at it because it's Jay Z, right? And then boom, you know, what was sort of like maybe what really sticks out in your mind is maybe like your first like big opportunities. My first big opportunities, I remember for sure. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Doug Coon, the photographer. Oh, man, that's a homie, man. He's a legend, yeah. Doug. Yo. Doug, Doug, listen. Doug Coon gave me my first big jobs. The very first one was um, on the 4th of July. It was probably about five years ago. And to shoot the concert of colors downtown. Yeah. In, uh, what do you call it, girl? You know, over there by the new center area. Yeah. So I shot the concert of colors because... He had to go out of town for something, and he trusted me. He had seen my work, and he trusted me to go yeah. and represent him and, you know, handle this show. And I went, and that was my very first paid photography job. Yeah. Doug, see, that's Doug, it, that's, see, that's Doug in a nutshell, man. He, like, yeah. 
like if he can't do something, man, he he know he has in his mind a list of people that can that can um do it. He can refer yeah. to, and he is more than happy to do it. You know, hundred percent. You know, he's another one of those people that like he's just a good positive guy, and it mm-hmm. and and it shows through his work too, man. He's a legend. He is truly a legend, and then he actually gave me my second paid photography job as well. It was the uh, the DIY festival, or whatever I think that's what it's called, it, up at uh, Masonic Temple. Yeah, you know, another time where he couldn't do the job because he had some other work going on, and he trusted me. And yeah, those are how I got my first opportunities because Doug saw my work on Instagram and he just he believed in me. Yeah, sometimes it's like you know the way you kind of um, you know. Along with your work, along the way you kind of handle yourself in public, can mm-hmm. create those opportunities. I used to do that do that a lot too. There was times when, um, I you know, I don't tell people this, but I pay attention to a lot of diff- different people, you know, like a photographer, or like a whatever, mm-hmm. you know, even if I don't know them, and kind of uh, and kind of like track what they what they're doing how they kind of carry themselves and i'll recommend them to other people even though i don't even know them you know right just because and i've had and i've done that and and a few of them would come back and be like yo like thank you for that but you don't even know me and i'm like but i like the way you handle yourself and you do good work you know exactly like i said being nice to people it goes a long way because even if it's not directly the person you're dealing with People observe, like you said, how you move through a room. So if somebody who could present you with an opportunity sees you at an event, like just acting a complete fool, they'll be like, hey, yeah, I saw how you talked to that person. I don't want him representing me out of the job. So no, I'll pass. You just never know. So you just (laughs) handle yourself, I guess, in a way where you, you know, not that you have to be conscious of it, but just be nice to people and people will notice. All right, let's move on to, uh, you know, the protests going on. Mm-hmm. It's been a very, uh, we're going through a very important time in American history right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the wake of the the killing of George Floyd, there's been a series of protests, not only in the U.S., but around the world. Um, this one kind of, you know, this one kind of feels different than, than a lot of stuff in the past. Um, mm-hmm. You've definitely been on the ground working uh, you know, documenting this, uh, you know, what's going on sort of, you know, talk about, you know, why you felt the need to, you know, to do that. And what are some of the things that you're sort of seeing that things that are sticking out about, uh, about these protests? Well, what made me feel like I really need to get out and cover this initially was because I was, well, I was the, the very first day that it happened, I was out, I was actually downtown and I was around for some of it. And then I actually left before that evening where it really got crazy, you know, with the cops shooting people, rubber yeah. bullets, things like that. So I said, okay, like, wow, I missed that. But this, is, so as I saw people start to, you know, galvanize and come out together to lead these protests, I was like, wow, well now, instead of being a secondhand account, I want to get out there and see for myself who's leading our youth. Are they misleading them? What's going on? I just need to see these things for myself. So that's why I initially went out. And then the more I went out, I was just like, you know what? It's a lot of stuff happening, whether it's, like I said, uh, misdealings by the police or whatever. I I want to be out here to see these things personally so that it's never in a, 
uh, who, you know, who told you this or it's a hearsay type right. of deal. I can always speak from a firsthand perspective and know what's going on. With, you know, with what you just said is like, I l- there's something that I want to talk more about is that mm-hmm. you, you know, as a black man, you can't, you went, you don't went out there to document these protests, but it sounds like you, you, you went out there with a non-biased opinion. Like right. you wanted to see what was actually going on. And if it's the, the protesters that are doing something wrong, you wanted to see it. If it's the cops that are doing something wrong, you wanted to see it. Like talk right. about, um, you know, documenting things like this, but going in with as much of a un, you know, unbiased opinion about it as you can. Okay. So going into it, actually two years prior, I was selected as a fellow for a uh, document in Detroit, which is a program basically where you go in and they teach you documentary photography, you know? So they select, I think it's like 10 people every year. And you get a lot of training. I mean, you get to meet like the editors from the New York Times, like all these, you know, big people, they come to Detroit and they essentially train you in documentary photography. So with that training, I already knew how to approach it. Like, okay, like maybe even if I have my own preconceived notions about how I feel personally about police, yeah, I have to approach this as, okay, let's literally just see and document what is happening, which is actually kind of funny to me because sometimes when people will have negative reactions to things that I post, they'll, you know, <laughs> I don't know, they, they, they present in a way as like as if I'm biased or whatever. And I'm like, no, like, I'm just showing you exactly what happened. I'm not affiliated with any of the groups that are leading protests. They're already going in, in it being biased about your bias. Exactly right. So they, some people assume that I'm a, an affiliate of the particular group that was out that day because I don't just document actually Detroit. I've been in Detroit pretty much every day and then I go to the surrounding suburbs too. So I'm going to see like every, I try to see every facet possible of this whole thing. Yeah. But it's not with, it's not with a bias or that I have an affiliation. It's truly to just document and show people exactly what's happening. Now, I mean, you can, you can feel about it how you want. And I mean, that's cool because like I said, everybody, I guess to a degree has their, to a degree has their own bias. And I, I can't even say that I don't, but when it comes to documenting, I'm just showing you what's going on. So, I mean, I photograph people wearing MAGA hats. <laughs> I've had conversations with them. I've, I mean, all sides. I've talked to police. I've talked to protesters. I've talked to a lot of people, I've photographed a lot of people doing a lot of different things. I want to, you know, go back to a particular incident um, that you provided a little bit more commentary, I feel, than uh, any other incident incident and that's what um that was when um the the 20 year old uh Hakim Littleton mm-hmm. was shot from the by the Detroit um police department uh mm-hmm. when they were trying to pick him and his uh friend up um earlier on this year um mm-hmm. when that happened there was a lot of misinformation that automatically went out um the Detroit police department was able to get um video evidence out pretty quickly to refute that, you know, this kid shot first. Uh, But, you know, it's understandable that when something like that happens, the protests are going to shift over there, you know, over there Mm -hmm. to uh, near six mile in San Juan where it's happened. And what's, you know, and I'll let you uh, talk more about it is that Mm -hmm. I feel like this incident, you know, also showed light in, 
in comparison to any other incident, what we're actually dealing with in regards to the, there's more layers than you actually think. Because once the video came out, people are like, okay, protesters go home. The kid shot first, Mm -hmm. but it's more multi-layered there that there's like high tensions, both on, on the, on the police side and on the, uh, you know, sort of like the, the public side, the citizen side, Mm -hmm. you know, where this, this kid, you know, Hakeem Littleton doesn't matter what he did. He, when the cops came to, uh, um, you know, came to arrest him and his friend, it was, in his mind, it was a life or death situation right? because of what's been already going on. So sort of speak on what you saw during this time, because you, you know, there's some definitely like poignant images that you, you shot in regards to that about like the results of what happened that day. Mm-hmm. So, I can tell you from that day, I actually had planned to not go out and cover any protests at all. I was, you know, I was like, you know what? I've been out pretty much every day, kind of tired. And then you hear this kid get shot. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So what, what happened? Yeah. So, so this is the thing. And a lot of people ask me like, well, how do you know about all these protests? Like I said, people assume that I'm connected or affiliated, you know, directly with these groups. And, and that's honestly not the case. The way that I find out, well, most of the time, the way I find out is, uh, I don't know if you have TweetDeck. I have TweetDeck. That's, so that's my Twitter client on my computer. Yeah. I have a tab in TweetDeck that's just a search that says Detroit protest. Everything okay. that comes up at a tweet, Detroit protest comes through there. I see something, and I'll, I might go. I'll plan for it on that week. Okay, there's a protest today, whatever. And then sometimes, too, because I've gone to many protests, I've met the leaders of certain groups, so they... Be, be their Instagram or their social media or them directly will tell me, hey, we've got such and such going on. So that particular day, I wasn't going to go out. This tweet comes up. DPD just killed a kid. Or it was like officer involved shooting or something. But it's like, it's different. You know, it's basically citizens. And then there's kind of official, like, kind of little things. But it hadn't hit the news yet. But there was, like, basically something like DPD officer involved shooting of a 19-year-old. And then very shortly after, there was an account from someone, I guess, who lived in the neighborhood who said DPD just murdered a 19-year-old, that he was it basically was like innocent, that went for his phone or something like that, and the DPD shot him eight times. So as that, I see that, oh, wow, I grab my gear, I'm shooting over there. I have to go see what's going on because I know what's coming, you know? And then yeah. after that, I see that um, the group, uh, Detroit will breathe was already planted because, and this is the thing too, people get misconstrued that, that that group wasn't going to be out protesting, which they are. They've been out consecutively now, I think for over 50 days straight. So yeah, that's, gonna- that's been since the beginning of everything. Like, so yeah, they've been out every day. Yeah. They've been out every single day. Now in Detroit will breathe. They start from different points in the city, but they go out protest and march every single day. So this day, because that happened, they changed the start. Two six mile in San Juan. Okay, I'm gonna head over there. And when I got there, the, the tape and everything was still out. Protests were there. They were there protesting. Like I said, there's been different narratives fun, but that's why I go to see it for myself. The protesters were there. They had a line. They were holding their line. They weren't throwing things. They were not attacking police. They were standing there chanting as they do every time they protest. There was a line of police officers directly across from them on San Juan, probably six to 10 feet away, 
nobody's touching anybody. And I mean, it, this went on for a good while. I mean, through it was raining, everything. Nothing happened until the police brought the riot squad for whatever reason. They sent in the riot squad, banging their shields with this. Like, I mean, it, when you, you have to hear the sound of this when they come. Is is really like a crazy, yeah, you know, very much meant to intimidate whoever's out there. And if they got to the front of the line, they came up and then they ran into the crowd and essentially just <laughs> start beating whoever was in reach. That's just what it is. I was there. I watched it happen. And then once people were getting beat up by police and all types of things, and I'm sure you've seen the photo of the young lady being choked by the police, yeah. stuff like that was happening. That's when the crowd reacted and pretty much threw everything but the kitchen sink back at the police in defense of themselves. So, I mean, that's pretty much what happened. Now, what's important to note at this time also, like I said, you have people from the neighborhood that are saying this young man was murdered by the police. I think at that time, the police had essentially just said like it was a good shoot, but no, there was nobody knew of a video yet. The police just kind of went in there, fought everyone. Nobody knew of a video. Now, in the meantime, after the whole fight between police and protesters and tear gas and all of this stuff, the, the protesters decided to march to the 12th precinct at Seven Mile and Wilward. In between that time is when the police released the video. Nobody knew of a video, but people weren't out there necessarily even defending. They were just upset because, okay, here's another officer involved shooting. They didn't attack police under the guise of, oh, they're just crooked. They're just upset about, well, what happened? Yeah. But police re released the video basically in between, which, I mean, honestly, looks kind of shady to me because now you're trying to spin a narrative. Hey, look, we have this video and, you know, this guy, we, we feel like he was in the wrong. He fired on the police first and he was killed because he did this. And no, these protesters came out and attacked us. That's kind of the narrative that the police seem to be spinning, which I, it, that's really, it's really disingenuous on their part. But yeah, in, yeah, in, in actuality, the the police and the protesters were being peaceful for all this right. time until the you know the riot cops came out mm -hmm. and you know started acting a fool. Like there's, I, I see this other picture of uh, of yours where you know the one officer has a knee on this uh, white dude's neck, you know, and he's mm -hmm. screaming. And you're like, why does this need to happen? This didn't need right. to happen. Oh, believe me. I, I actually have photos that are that are worse. Like, I, I man, I don't know. I, I, I have plenty. I have photos of police actually, like, blindside, two-hand throwing women to the ground. It, it was a lot of stuff going on out there that day. A lot. I mean, not women that are attacking, like women looking in the completely other direction and getting blasted by <laughs> like really big dudes. Right. Even, like small and not doing anything. Is there is there sort of a new lesson to be learned fr from this instance particular that maybe the protesters didn't really understand to that point? So I... <sighs> I, I get I have I have a lot of people, like I said, people who feel like I'm affiliated. So they're coming at me and telling me, well, people, you know, they should get all the facts before they go out there and protest. But yo, sometimes facts like <laughs> take a year to get, you know, 
Exactly. Which, I mean, even speaks to, like I said, how disingenuous the police are, because how in this one particular incident, you can release the video immediately. Right. They got it immediately. And you're like, oh, really? That can happen? Exactly. <laughs> so we've never seen that before until they feel, look, we're 100 percent in the right and we can use this to spin our own narrative. Look how these protesters are coming out. So it basically gets, you know, it's court of public opinion against people protesting police brutality. But you use police brutality against the people in the process. So, I mean... How come at a time like this, when everybody knows that this protest is happening and, and they're getting the video, how come they can't send somebody out to the protest and being like, get on the megaphone and be like, look, we have something we want to present to you? You would have thought that would have been the best way, especially, like I said, because all you have are people... Out here, yes, they're clearly upset, but nobody's crossing the line. Nobody's trying to attack police. Like I said, those officers were standing there in line. They were just looking back, observing and making sure nobody crossed the line to go, I guess, into this crime scene or anything like that. Everybody was just standing, holding the line with a clear space in between them. So it, I, to me, I feel like it would have been very easy for the police to send out the chief or whoever high-ranking official to say, hey, listen, you guys, I know you're upset, but we have a video that clearly shows this young man firing on us. If that's their position, come out and make that known. But I don't know, it just it just seems like they came out ready as far as as far as the riot officers, they came out ready to fight. And I mean, I think that was even more evident once people marched to the precinct. Yeah, I don't know. I, I may have I'm just have to show you some of those photos, but I mean they came out, they had tanks and all the weaponry, the, the crazy beanbag shotguns, and just it was just it looked like it's almost about to ready to be a war zone. So they, but they could have easily started. They could have said that at the first scene, like we have this video. But I feel like they wanted to use that to their advantage to spin this, you know, negative view of the protesters. How do you feel like that? You know, and that, and it, that kind of answers my next question. But how do you feel yeah. like this incident sort of? compares to just all the the protests as a whole going on throughout the nation you know what 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 can people learn in regards to that particular instance going forward well it's it's kind of hard to say honestly because i mean granted like you know some people tell me that you're crazy for going out there it's too crazy whatever and i mean i i understand that everybody does not want to physically be out, you know, in front of a line of police officers when things are this tense. I understand that. So a lot of people rely on, you know, national media or the news, you know, our local news stations, which, I mean, they get the spin from the police. So if they getting the police telling them, hey, these people reacted like this when we had a video, that's what they report. And that's why, you know, that message gets out to the public. And then, which is why when I post the photo, like you spoke of with the gentleman with the knee on his neck, I get people telling me, you know, you shouldn't have been out there and this, this and that when they have no idea what's going on because they don't have a firsthand view of it. So is I don't know if there's what can be learned except, you know, in the same vein that they tell people to get all the facts, maybe they should wait on facts too, especially, I guess one of my biggest pet peeves about covering this thing is when people well, like, okay, perfect example. When I was in Taylor covering a, um, covering a protest one day, a lady drove through the crowd, crazy rate of speed, almost 
basically could have killed people. There were old people. Oh yeah, them. you were on the front lines of that that incident. I, I was right there, and I literally had to jump out of the way of that car to not be run over. And people were attacking me and telling me, "Well, did you see the video?" And I said, "Listen, I <laughs> I was right there. I don't need to see a video on the news. Don't if you're not there." I don't care what you saw. I was there. You can't tell me what I saw. I was the video. Run over. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. with this sort of, um, with documenting these protests, there's always an element of danger. Like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, are you scared to be out there? You know, what, what's sort of your, your personal thoughts about that? You know, the danger of being out there and like just, thinking about, you know, what if I get hurt? What if I die doing this? You know, what are you, what are your thoughts about that? Um, well, I try to take as many precautions as I can. You know, I, I definitely cover my face when I go out, even the day when the, um, the fight between the riot police and the protesters broke out, I, I saw it coming. So I actually carry like a really like thick pair of, um, safety glasses in case, <laughs> things start getting thrown or rubber bullets or may have you. I mean, that's not, you know, the ultimate protection, but it's, it's something. So I try to prepare as much as possible. And I mean, I just try to be aware of my surroundings at all times. I tell people when I'm out there, I literally have to be watching for a shot, but I also have to watch the police. I have to even watch the protesters because I don't know all of these people. For all I know, there could be a counter protester hidden in the crowd waiting to, you know, sneak attack anybody i just have to be aware as possible at all times i'm always scanning so i mean that's that's the best i can do but i still feel like it's important to you know document these things it just it just really is and like i said not just in detroit but even in the suburbs like i've i've had a lot of wild encounters the same day the woman drove through the crowd down in taylor was probably the most how can i say like aggressive of like bystanders rolling by and are pulling up on the crowd like almost threatening to drive through and screaming a lot of crazy racial slurs and things like that and they were not shy about it at all so right watch them too to make sure they don't try to run me over you know it's it's a lot going on from like from your side of things from being somebody that's that's uh documenting these protests like you know what are some, cause I see sometimes you, you've talked about, you know, people like sort of stealing your images or taking your images, uh, you know, into their own narrative. Like what, what sort of like your thoughts about protecting your work at the same time as documenting these protests? Well, I don't know. You may be speaking about the most recent thing that I posted about people, uh, taking the work and getting a million likes that honestly was not even about my personal work it was about another photographer the photographer's name is adam who captured the image oh my god i can't think of the young lady's name right now but the one who she, she's one of the leaders of uh, detroit will breathe yeah and she's being put in a chokehold by the police and i've seen his image so many places taken by so many people it was like i say it wasn't even my work but i just personally as a photographer i don't like to see that happen to anybody it, it just burns me up as much as if it was my own photo well, yeah, like as as someone in your position, like what's your thoughts about, you know, still getting the credit that you deserve for sort of, you know, capturing these images when, you know, 
we we're in this sort of social media thing where information and images just go everywhere. Well, honestly, whether it's the protests or whatever, I mean, I personally I feel like a lot of people are just truly just cornballs. Like they want to make themselves look more important or yeah. more cool. So instead of taking the time to develop the skill to take their own photos, why not just bypass that and not just take the image, you know, like I've seen people, like I said, I actually spoke on this earlier in the protest where people were taking images, you know, from different photographers and posting them in a way that it it made it look like they were out there on the front line every day and <laughs> right. knew it wasn't true because, you know, right. I, I don't see you out there and I know that you didn't take this image. So why why are you, I guess, are you portraying this false narrative when it's, I mean, it's either to just say, hey, like I support this or you could come out for yourself <laughs> and, you know, assume whatever, I guess, risk goes with that, but come out and see it for yourself. Take your own images. Don't try to cheat the process just to make yourself look cool, especially right now, because that's that's not what this should be about, trying to be cool. I mean, honestly, I have so many more images. I could post 50 images a day on Instagram if it was about me getting likes and looking like, oh, look what I do. Like, I, that's not what it's about for me. I post certain images because I just want people to see what's really happening out here. I don't need the, oh, wow, he's, he's you know, the, I guess these crazy kudos or whatever it is. That's not what it's about. From, you know, from your standpoint, from whatever you've, uh, from what you've been uh, documenting, you know, is there anything that you see out there, any narratives that you can definitely say that, like, that's a myth, like, there, that there's something out, there's, that's not happening, there's something else going on that you feel like people should know? Well, as far as something I would say that's myth, I would definitely say that people really believe that police don't attack people until they're acted upon. And that is a complete myth. <laughs> I can tell you that 100%. That's, I mean, I'm sure some police officer that'll be very upset with me, but it, it's just, it's just a fact. That's what I've seen. I've seen it for myself and not just on that one occasion at six mile in San Juan. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's, that's, that's a complete myth. Sometimes I think police just come out like, hey, you know, maybe I need some exercise. So let me Yo, let's get a cracking, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So right. that's how they seem to behave sometimes. And I'm not saying like I've seen every single cop that I've seen or interacted with is just jumping on people, but I'm I've seen it happen. How do you sort of deal with all the negative comments that you get, whether it's in person or online? Well, because I'm, I'm just really not a person that's in the habit of trying to explain myself too much. Sometimes if I see somebody say something really crazy, I may address it. But, I mean, in person, usually if I'm in person, I can just, you know, talk to the person like, listen, you know, whatever may have you. Like I said, I've, I've encountered people wearing MAGA hats saying some of the craziest stuff in the world, and I'm just like, listen, <laughs> you, okay, whatever. Which, they're, they're a whole different basket of kind of crazy because... <laughs> Every 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 encounter I had with a person wearing a MAGA hat is like as soon as I make it as soon as I make a direct statement to them, they just kind of come down to a very chill level how we're speaking to each other. For some reason, I don't know why. I, I, I guess my personal feeling on that would be is because if they don't have a lot of guns or like a hundred people with them, they're, they're a lot a lot less rah rah and you know ready to do something. But 
Right, so, right. Man, that that would be my myth though. As far as the police, that that's the biggest myth about it all. That police don't attack people, you know, for no reason. All right, going forward, you know, you know, what things you got going on down the line? You know, what, what's your plans for the the near future? In the near future, right now, honestly, just to keep covering as many protests as I can. And I say, I, I feel like it's important to not just show downtown Detroit, but what's happening in a lot of our suburbs. Like I said, I've been, I can't even think of all them, Royal Oak, Birmingham, Sterling Heights, uh, Troy, uh, Shelby Township, Taylor. I, I've, I've been to so many. So that's just to continue that for right now until, you know, I guess things seem to calm down. I don't know. I don't really know when that exactly will be. But in the meantime, do, I mean, because I still have to do my other work, too. I still have client work, so I have to do both. It's very tiring, but again, it's important to me to see what's going on and document out here. So that's that's the very near future for me, still client work and documenting whatever protests are happening. Well, your work has been phenomenal. Like, even before uh, the protest started, I always loved your work. And just continue to do your thing. And, you know, I'm glad uh, to have you on the podcast to be able to, you know, talk about your work and what's been going on with the protests in Detroit. Uh, Before we get out of here, where can people go online to get more information and see some of your work? Well, I mean, Trilogy Beats is pretty much, um, my my website is TrilogyBeats.com. My Instagram is TrilogyBeats313 because somebody took regular Trilogy Beats. For whatever reason, he hasn't posted in like eight years. But that's <laughs> I hate that, man. I hate that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I tried to get it, but it didn't work. And... Somebody has freshed the word on like uh, Twitter and has like two posts from like 11 years ago. Yeah, like why don't you? And I actually emailed this guy like a long time ago. Like, hey, why don't you come out? He said, no, I don't even use that. Just use the real Trilogy Beats or something. I was like, well, if you don't use it, then you have it. But yeah, whatever. Well. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, Twitter is Trilogy Beats. My website, TrilogyBeats.com. Instagram, TrilogyBeats313. And I post a lot of work there, but, you know, I don't think, I will hope people don't just come there expecting protest photos, because as you know, I post a wide range of things. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them aren't even work. It's just photos that I personally enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com. And that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh of the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.